Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. I'm going to make you stand in a minute, but uh, we have a couple of um, a couple of testimonies that we didn't film. Um, probably one more, only one more, one more. Is that is there space for one testimony? Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> this is animated today. Um, I'm just going to move this backwards and probably be better. Okay, so. This week we had someone that comes to the church fairly regular, who's we we're gonna his his name we're gonna keep you know um, outside of this because of filming and this is gonna be YouTube and and so on. Um, the person asked it to be a bit more quiet for for obvious reasons when when you hear it. But this person came and actually said, "Hey, you know what? Um, I have to say something that I've been meaning to say to you for a long time." And the person. It's, it's a legend in Camden. He is in and out of the shop day in and day out. So it, it's, it's a beautiful relationship that we have with. And, um, and the person was always kind of like thoughtful. And for the last months, we have seen him more thoughtful and even more thoughtful. And one day he just broke down. And he said, I got to tell you something. Pastor, can you come? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And uh, to break it, like the long story short, this um, brother has a cousin in jail in, in another country. I was about to say the country, but I'm not going to say the country. <laughs> I was about, I'm about to mess it up myself. And um, he's in jail. And uh, a few months ago, six months ago, he called our friend, the one that comes here to this church, um, and said, hey, you know what? Um, I'm here for life, so I'm just going to suicide. And of course, being a believer, um, his, his st- stomach. Martin, are you having a good day? <laughs> I feel like I'm in the cave. His, his, his chest actually kind of like, you know, kind of shrunk in and his stomach sunk down, you know, and he said like, what the heck? And he said, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and, he, and his cousin said to him, you know, this is the problem. I don't have... The, the, the life that you have. You, you sound happy every time I talk to you. And I'm here to rot in a cell. So I don't have your kind of life. It's easy for you to say that because you don't have what I have. And he said, but you know what? My happiness doesn't come from not having your life. I've been going to church. And he said, ah, I remember the church from back in the day. And he said, no, well, I'm going to a different one. <laughs> Um, it's not the traditional one that we used to go. And um, he said, but well, tell me more about it. And he, he mentioned, this is the problematic section. We'll stay out of the splash zone. Um, tell me something more. And he said, well, you know what? You can find it online. Let me give you a link, this and that and the other. And the person started watching the services, like the ones that you come and you like are yawning at and you are <laughs> criticizing and judging, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that person actually started seeing the, the services. And what happened is that from being suicidal, he started to come to church with you. And from there, he moved on. And, and now he has 14 lifers. That's how he's called. People that are for life in jail, washing the services every week from suicidal to being found by life. He's doing life in jail. But he's not doing life as a sentence only. He's doing what life does. He spreads. He's welcoming. And through that, the same services that you have, they're in jail in another country. And they are producing life. So I think that's a great praise reserve. Like, right there. The person said, Pastor, be encouraged. It's going further. And I said, mate, it would not go further if it wasn't for you. And he said, no, but Pastor, it's you guys that do this thing and that and the other, you know. And I said, no, no, no. 
but you are the one that opened the, opened the door. So if it wasn't for you, none of that would matter because it's because of you. And But pastor, my life and this and that. And I say, okay, you have good memory. But that doesn't mean eternity is taking notes like you're taking notes, maybe. God, while he's working on those things that you remember, he's doing things that you cannot control. And maybe that's the power of the gospel. While he's working on us, he can do things through us. And that's the beauty of Jesus being the boss. Amen? Amen. Okay. Codebreaker, we didn't actually even scratch the surface. So we're going to go to two. Codebreaker two. Is that okay? Yeah, you had a good time last Sunday. Was that okay? Was that helpful? We're going to go straight back into Matthew. So I'm going to ask you to stand up for the reading of the word. We stand for so many things, even tubes. And um, some of us actually will never give away our seat on a tube. Guys need salvation. <laughs> Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28 says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Son, Lord, Son of David, have mercy of me. My, David, my, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she's keep, she keeps crying out after us. Then he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. So he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. She replied, yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have a great faith your request is granted and her daughter was healed at the moment on the way back down say he's breaking my codes to someone next to you you can be seated you can be seated code breaker so we talked last week about the context that a code has today in in our culture in our modern culture what informs us you know, the codes that are around us inform us who we're supposed to be at the speed that it desires to be. So we talked about genetic codes and how people are trying to modify what makes us, our DNA and everything. We talked about in the scientific, more medicine, you know, kind of side of life. Then we talked about personal codes, the perception of self, how, how we see ourselves, how that informs our situations. It's not only what is happening, but how we see ourselves that informs the moments, the moments around us in our days, in our weeks, in our months today. We also talk about regional codes, how for some places a type of welcome or a goodbye is more important, or the way that you approach a situation is so based on their understanding and so much of that in a multicultural, so big of a city like London, we are aware every day. Things that you say to someone today could be super friendly or super aggressive or completely, if we're honest, contrary to what you had in your heart because there are codes. But in a city like we live in, in the city of London and many cities around the world, the more we get mingled, the more the codes are stressed and pushed and pulled. We also talked about you know, financial codes and, and today maybe we can talk about dressing codes maybe um, because it, it is important that if we go to the barbers we dress a certain way but if we go to the parliament we dress a different type of way like how are you I'm great where are you going I'm going to the wedding why are you dressed like that there's some friends that you should ask that before they go to a wedding before, because for example there's there's an unspoken international code for women on a wedding you don't dress no one said it have you ever seen a billboard that said do not dress white on a wedding day if you're not the bride never but everyone that is submitted to that code notes 
the code. So for the weddings that are coming around, no one dresses on white if you're the female. And we talked about technological, we talked about apps, we talked about software, we talked about how in different ways our lives are served by codes and coding and how Jesus came to break codes for us in our personal level. We talked about he inserting himself into the story of each one of us through some characters. Last week we talked about Joshua, we talked about in Matthew, the leper, we talked about a person that had a medical issue for 12 years and when she met Jesus, something in her said, if I just touch the code breaker, he will break the curse that I have been living for 12 years. Doctors, her money, and life had not been able to solve it. And sometimes we find ourselves in that predicament. We think, okay, because we, we have been doing this for a certain amount of years, I should be right. But we don't find ourselves right. I, I should be okay already. I should not be struggling with this. I should not be fighting against that. That thought, that mentality, that issue, that sin. But Jesus came exactly for that, to break a code. Because sometimes we develop, we develop around something that already has been developed for us. If we follow the, the, the thread of tech, developers nowadays, they try to develop their apps a lot, a lot more flexible than they used to do. Why? Because the world is running a lot faster. Back in the day, you didn't need apps at all. You barely can touch an app. Most people never knew that word until 10, 12 years ago because we didn't need it to keep on functioning. But the world has turned. So everyone under the sound of this video voice, under this thought, has had today a contact with a software, with an app, with someone that coded something for you to do something in life, to make your life more practical. But they are learning that the faster the world goes, the more situations or types of mentalities, if we're gonna say it, or types of stories hit the app, they have to build it in such a way that that conforms more styles, more personalities, and even more issues. So. When we're talking about faith, because that's what he came to give for those that believe in me, we're not talking only about the faith that we have on the streets in our own mind. We're talking about faith that comes from God. When we talk about codings and codes, because if we're honest, faith is what observes us. It's not only what we observe, it's what observes us. So Jesus came for us to see ourselves and be able to see differently. So this, that we didn't intend to be a more than one kind of thing, actually comes to help us to see what codes do we have in us. And we're revisiting the story that we actually read last week because I love when God can talk a lot more through one piece of text that we just rush over because we read it before but we never stop to ask God what is new in the text that I don't know. So yes, Jesus in this context is confronted. He's coming from Genesareth. That's something that I left out in the last notes, but I wanna maybe make a point of that. Genesareth actually means the garden of riches or the rich garden. He was coming from a place of peace to a place that had no peace. It was in dispute. Jesus, he was the son of David, like the lady rightfully called him. So he was coming from a lineage, right? But let's look at the lineage. Let's look at the context because sometimes we talk about things and because we don't know the context, we don't observe all the richness that it has, all the minerals that we can grab from it, everything that we can learn. So he's coming from the garden of riches to the, 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 the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon remember David. Why do they remember David? Because after David lost, or lost his life, he, he died, and, and his kingdom became his sons, they started entering a dispute. 
They had a great relationship with David. A little bit of story. I mean, are you okay? Can I? Yeah, can we do a little bit more of that? I think context is pivotal. David had a great relationship, and his son, Solomon, that everyone knows as the wisest man on earth, had a great relationship with these with this people, the people of this region. Why? Because they were really good at working on stone. They had a reputation. They were extremely good. Follow me. We're going somewhere. So David, Jesus, son of David, she just said that. David had a reputation with these people. These people had a reputation with David. And Jesus knew how the clock of time was ticking. And he knew what was his timing. But he was a man after God's will. Like David, son of David. One after the other. So Jesus is there. He's called son of David. And David is that king that made good relationships because they were good. So they helped David create the palace. They helped Solomon build the temple and so on. And after a couple of dodgy kings, um, every nation has dodgy kings. Let's make a space for that one to sing. <laughs> Revelation, Lord, like the dove. What happened? Because of the dodginess, the treaties, the peace was broken. And what happened? They were in dispute. They become wicked. They became pagans. They were worshiping other gods. This Canaanite woman had a relationship with the pagan, with the wicked, with witchcraft. She was coming from a region that was known for its reputation of being beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. It had places. It was near, it, it was actually kind of a, a harbor city, where well, it's a couple cities really. Sidon and Tyre were known because they had technology for that day in their harbors that was not seen anywhere. They were rich, they were opulent, they had access to all goods. But she could not find in that opulence what she needed so simply for her daughter. So, son of David, I remember that David had something. David restored the worship. He restored, not the word, he restored, the word is Jesus. Before the word comes worship. Yeah? We're following a thread. You know, we didn't invent the wheel. We just follow the boss. So David established the worship, and she remembered how the area, the region, would suffer the consequences of worship. Have you seen the consequences of your worship? If we're honest, and we stop now, everyone comes front and says, Lord, I'm sorry, I don't see the fruits of my worship anywhere. That's if we were honest. David had a reputation. Is your worship having a reputation, having an impact? Is it breaking codes? Is the spirit of Jesus, the son of David in your life? Do you really believe it? Because most of us in this place would have said, Yes, Lord, I accept you. You're my Lord and Savior. You live in my life. You're living in my heart. Come live and be the Lord of everything. But is my worship affecting my surroundings? I know we're humans. I know we're fallen. I know that all of us have fallen short from the grace and the perfection of God. But is the worship that we kind of produce from our hearts, from the way that we live, or from the way that we pray out of repentance, creating some technical damages into the coding of our culture, or isn't. Our culture is informing us. We talked about codes being that kind of, that, that informs our behavior. There's so many codes in this room right now, things that you would never do or say. I come from a country that we will never go and ring your bell because that's not what we do. We don't invite ourselves over. Some of us actually go and knock at the door at whatever crazy hour. And those are the ones that you pray for them. Lord, we all come from different codings. But Jesus comes into the story and the gospel comes today to nourish us in a specific way. What is it that breaks us? And what is it that keeps us from breaking in the wrong way? Jesus came to break the wrong. He was coming from the nice place to actually a place that was known by his wickedness. 
is stubbornness. Tyre actually is known as the rock. It means rock. And actually, they were really good at working with rocks. They were professionals at chiseling out the best designs. They were known for this. Their reputation, their beauty, and their wickedness was part of what she was coming from. She was informed by those codes, but inside of those codes, she couldn't find freedom. And she came to Jesus. In the seasons that we are, in the things that we're living, in the, in the places that we move, that we do life with and around, there will be a fight of codes. There are the codes that are from God, from the Holy Spirit in you, and there are the codes from the territory that are going against each other, day in and day out. They don't ask for your permission, but they're still there. They're as real as your desk, as your bed, as the apps in your phone. They're very real. They move outside of time. Well, those are the things that my grandma would do. Have you heard that? Codes. We're so immersed on a world of codes that we don't see them properly. We don't see how they affect us. And affection, to, to, to say, when I say affecting, somehow we can think, you know, that's negative. But that's not only negative. It doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It has to have a humbling connotation. It has to open us. It has to make us simple. If you go into a room and in the room they are doing something, everything that is being done in the room is affecting you. You're not above and beyond. If you're a ship, you could be solid and sturdy as a tree, but there are waves. Are you with me? Just context. So when we go to the story in Matthew 15, we see a lady that has a context, but she's looking for the one that is above all context, the one that brings the context of heaven into the reality of maybe everyone else. And she says, maybe that's my daughter's story. So trusting on the coding that she has seen, on the codes of what he has done, on the culture he has set up around him, on everything that is known about him, she takes decisions and she moves from her software to his vicinity. So he comes in. He comes into the story, and Jesus was probably tired. He was walking. He had been ministering. He was coming from places of doing. I mean, they were bringing all the people that were sick and ill. Everyone. He had a reputation, so everyone would be brought in, and he would actually deliver. So he was coming from doing that. And he was all man, but he was also all God, and all man in him was probably tired. You could have the best, the best day, but when you're tired, you still can become very stupid. Amen. Someone had a stupid moment this week. We all had stupid moments this week. But you see, Jesus, looking at the nature and the fragility of the moment, he was tired. He was coming from all of that, but still had the wherewithal to be there. He didn't say much, but when he said, it meant something. And that made me ask him questions. I was saying, when you break a code, coming from the complex thought of code coders or people that make codes today, people that write codes today, sorry if there's any techie and I'm butchering the terms right now, I'm so sorry. Um, they try to give him flexibility for growth. They try to structure coding today in a way that is so flexible that keeps the identity, it keeps the identity of what it's created for, but everything else can be changed. That sounds like a lot of the problems that we have today, no? Footnote. When we go into this story, we see the man that Man made, like God made man, walking with the needs of others. And he's not rushing. There's something about our needs that make us rush to God, but not necessarily make God rush to us. Because maybe that code should be producing something in us. Footnote. But why? 
the a thousand pound question that we all have asked a thousand times this week maybe but why i love that at when we're old we complain with that when we're young we are informed by that question maybe that's why he said that faith and when we believe in god we have to be like children faith informs us not the situations and jesus Although he knows all things, he's allowing this lady to fulfill, to really go deep so she can get the real breakthrough that she's really wanting. She comes in into the story and it's easy. He says, hey, Lord, son of David. She probably had a massive bling bling that say Canaanite woman. That's how we know. Lord, son of david have mercy on me first of all she had faith because that's what jesus said at the end hey you know what woman of great faith that's in verse 28 but if we go a little bit before that in verse 22 he says son of david have mercy on me some of us are are working on someone else's faith i remember when i was a bit more stupid than i am today and I was committing even more mistakes than I'm committing mistakes today as well. Wunderbar. Go figure. My mom used to pray for me. My mom used to say, hey, Lord, save him. Do something. Whatever. Whatever. And maybe you are the fruit of someone else's faith. We talked last week about those four friends that everyone needs that will even break a roof and put you in the middle of the situation with Jesus. We talk about those that are going with us, you know, but their faith projects in us a, a direction. And this is the story. This woman had faith because he knew, she knew who Jesus was because he had a reputation. She was coming from the place that was opulent and had a different type of reputation. But even in there where the rich people, the people that have access to all, all, all other things, they still needed Jesus and what he had. So she says, help me, have mercy of me. But we, when we look into the story, she didn't have anything wrong with her, did he? Maybe he was not responding to what she asked. He was responding to what she really needed. So she asked for her daughter and Jesus was responding into her need that informed her daughter. When she is exposed to all the witchcraft and all the situations that are happening, she was open to being demon-possessed. Ah. So the story is way thicker and deeper. It sounds simple on the surface, but Jesus is responding to the real question. How the heck this happened? Have mercy of me. He ignored it. Because he wanted her to go straight into the real need. There was deliverance. And deliverance happens just by faith. You can be all knowledgeable of all the books of the Bible. You can know it from top to bottom, to the last T. But if you don't surrender, if you have no faith that comes from God, not human hope, but faith, you will not see God move in your life. There will not be deliverance. Let's go to the story. So leaving the garden, coming into this region, seeing this lady, the reputation of the place, the witchcraft and the building, there are people that are solid, but they're still in need. We can have all the things that the world says you should have or I should have. But if in our solidness we don't have faith, it works for nothing. Nowadays, as a generation around the world, this is ageless. We're looking for things that are solid. Our governments are not solid. Our immune system, definitely not solid. When we go into the, the financial systems, not solid. If we go into the medical systems, 
are not solid. If we go to the society, the systems in society, we're talking about family, we're talking about communities, none of them are solid. Have mercy on me. And God is asking us through this, and that has become a, a mini-series, the ability to actually go beyond what we see because he's actually breaking a deeper code. He's looking for a deeper need that unravels the rest. Jesus comes into the story and he stays quiet because he knows that he's the word. And if he speaks power, things happen. He knows that when he declares things, they have a weight. As the church, I think we have lost the understanding, first of all, that Christ lives in us and that after that, what we speak has power. It moves the dial. There's nothing that we do that doesn't move the dial. We have lost respect for that. We have lost consciousness of that because we don't know how we're seen. We're like that lady, I need help. Have mercy of me. And Jesus says, no, you need heaven. And he he demands from us that we get closer. He gets the lady into that situation. He starts talking about reputation because they should have not been talking, at least not like this. And he asks this lady some questions. After she reveres him, she says, Lord, that means she understands worship. First of all, most of us don't go to Christ saying, hey, Lord, but when you know power and when you are in authority, you understand what a Lord means. Our generation, the world today, we have lost all culture that has to do with respect and authority. We have lost it all. And God is trying to restore unto us what the years has eaten from us. He wants us to relate to God with honor so we can reap the fruits of the honor of heaven. So he's with us in the story saying, Lord, son of David, I know who you are spiritually. I know where you come from. I know your nation. She comes from a group of nations. He's in the territory of a group of nations that dissociated after David and Solomon died. So she's saying, I cut myself from the blessing. I cut myself from the inheritance. And I know you are the Lord. I might have caught myself from the inheritance, but I come to you because you can restore. I've seen what you have done in the garden of riches, healing all these people, all these stories that have changed. I've seen you. I have seen you. Lord, have mercy. This is what all this story is saying. If we stay there, right there, we had a full sermon. We have a full dinner to go home and say, have I lost this, Lord? Have I lost the seal to say you are the Lord? You could be perfect like the man that never sinned, did all the commandments in the perfect way. And Jesus said, but you still have other gods in your hearts. This lady was perfect outside and inside. When she met with Jesus, she had faith. In the life of Abraham, that justified him. So she came in, dressed for the occasion. Dressed in faith. How are we dressed for the things that are around us? The storms that are affecting us. How are we walking the waters? Someone else would have reminded us. How are we doing this? Are we doing it with old codes? Are we doing it with new codes? Footnote. Canaanite, son of David, crying around. Have mercy of me, equals faith is selfless. Take notes, this will help you. Faith is selfless. The fruits of faith is selfless. She said, have mercy of me. And what that really meant, my daughter has a problem. And she translated for us from the Greek into the you now, really quick. She said, strictly that, my daughter is demon possessed and is suffering terribly. Two things. I want to just kind of underline those two things. She could have said demon possessed. Boom. That's it. But she made a difference from being, she's suffering and being demon possessed. She made a difference. 
She came from a culture, a couple nations that were very prolific in their witchcraft as well. So she understood the possession of demons that we don't like to talk nowadays. We're scared of it because we love and praise control. But God is saying, I want to break that code for, for no. But also, she said, because of that coding, she's suffering. She was exposed to that application, to that app, to that code. And because of that, she's not only possessed, she's suffering. Some of us are possessed by ideas. I want to challenge that. You don't have to be scared of demons. They should be scared of you because the king of kings lives in you. The one that breaks the codes lives in you. So away with the story, with the wrong narrative that demons should make you afraid. They should be afraid day in and day out when you wake up and you say, because of God, I wake up. Where's my giant? I'm going to kill it. I am coming against all these spirits of fear that infiltrated themselves into our faith and make us sound spiritual if God wants to but has no power on our regard Jesus that had all power he didn't speak until she humbled herself that's the way that God goes into the codes that we have that we hold so dear I want to humble all the codes that I hold so dear in my life because I know that Jesus and God is superior power belongs to God. So she humbled herself. It's selfless. Second, although she was touched, touched by this, she had been influenced by this, she understood that Jesus could break the influence. We all are influenced by the codes in my neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That Essentially, today, we could speak about it in this way. Don't let the codes of your neighbor disciple you. Don't let the codes of your neighbor inform you of who you are. Don't let the codes in the places that you get in inform you of how to live. Hey, we all do. But faith helps us. Faith gives us strength. It's not only hope, because human faith gives you hope and it's like a warm feeling. But when you have faith, you have power. That's why we're not called to have tolerance. The world now today preaches tolerance while the Bible still preaches grace. Because grace gives us power. Tolerance leaves you where it founds you. Grace makes you walk along and get better. The church doesn't have to tolerate anything that Christ didn't. Jesus was coming from teaching immorality and thoughts and murder and theft. He was not tolerating. He was breaking codes as he walked. Do we need this Jesus to walk with us today? Do we need? Can we be honest? I need Jesus to walk with my codes. <laughs> There's some of my codes that, oh, geez. I need a new computer. Forget about the code. You know? I'll, I'll trash it. <laughs> so this woman, if we equal it to faith for the sake of notes, she is informed of who Jesus is and who she is. She's also determined for the ones that like taking notes and you're like OCD, like some that I love. She's not only informed and determined, she's flexible. She was able to tango. She was able to dance uh, around the situation in the silence of Jesus. Imagine if you go to Jesus like you have never done that before and ask for something and he never says anything. She was able. And some of us are so blunt and so bored and so infatuated with our own understanding that when we don't get what we need or what we think we need in the moment, we lose our flexibility. But this lady was able to pivot like, yay. She was able to hear Jesus says nothing, but I'll ignore that and I'll keep on going. She was determined and she was flexible. It didn't come out like she thought. I mean, this guy is coming from healing everyone. So, I mean, what is going to happen when I show up? This is what's going to happen. Boom. No, it didn't happen. 
but she was flexible. It was not how she imagined it, but she still needed it. And she was determined. She was not only informed and determined, she was flexible. So she was able with that flexibility not to lose her determination. It was not going to cancel what she was informed about. But she needed that flexibility because it was the essential ingredient of her faith. And her flexibility carried her to keep her focus. So she was informed. She was determined. She was flexible. And she was focused. She needed one thing. My daughter. She traveled and we don't know how much. This city is at least 19 days walking. Walking from Jerusalem. Jesus had walked all the way there to a, like an area that right now is a different country even. Informed the reputation was going ahead. What he was doing. What your God, what lives in you can do. What's going ahead is going ahead of you. But maybe the world needs us to keep this type of faith. A faith that is informed. We're not believing in this thing. We're not believing in say it, claim it, and get it. We're believing that the will of God is stronger than the things that live in us and around us. And for his glory, he's going to see us through. And through us, he's going to speak of his goodness forevermore. That's what it is. So we are informed. We're not limited by the situation. We are determined because we are informed of who God is. We're flexible and we keep the focus. Faith leads us not only to be flexible, but to keep our focus. Days can go by. You can cry about it. You can pray about it. If you didn't get it, keep informed, keep determined, keep flexible, and keep focused. When God spoke something to you, your days are not going to finish until you see it. If we don't have it nowadays, in 15 seconds, we are, are writing to someone what's going on. Like we, like we feel that we're entitled to immediate. Because the speed of the world is informing us. But we have to be informed. Our faith has to be informed by relationship. We have to keep that focus that God cannot be shaken. That when he says it will happen, it has to happen. It's not only that it should happen, it has to happen. Nothing, nothing can stop God. But Jesus was silent. Why? Why Jesus keeps silent? Why is your wife not changing? Why is your husband not changing? Why? Why is God keeping silent in your finances? Why is God not providing that blessing that you thought you should have right now, that you're entitled to have? God, I'm doing everything I should. I'll be tithing. I'll be giving offerings. I'm doing evangelism in the office, in the uni. It, and it doesn't happen. Why is God silent? What is it that he wants to provoke? The word comes to teach today that the code breaker is not going to go in a hurry to pamper us like little kids because he values us. The God that values us is among us in the midst of our day, in the midst of the situations. He's not going to pamper the yesterday us. He's going to use his silence as the biggest precursor, the biggest push for us to mature. And what is maturity? In the story, God depicts it as humility. Her simplicity. Even though, even, even. That word is so spiritual. Even, even. If you came for a whole message, Say to yourself today, don't say to your neighbor, you need it more than him. Even, even. She said, Jesus did not answer. His disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. You know, she keeps crying after us. They were crying really after Jesus, but you know, egos. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. 
The woman came and said, like knelt before him, said, Lord, she came again. She retaliated. She pivoted off the rejection and said, Lord, Lord. And she knelt in front of him. She worshiped. She said, you are bigger and stronger. I need you. I'm weaker. What a powerful moment of humility. Lord, help me. After she knelt, she said, help me. She still was taking the responsibility of someone else's need. Are we taking the responsibility of everyone else's ass? Some of us are professional Olympians on taking responsibilities of others to build our own egos. And those would lead us to burnout. But when we're taking the responsibility for the people, for their hearts, for their eternity, God would reap in you strength over strength and glory over glory. Because you're not taking a false responsibility, church, hear me. God is calling us to take responsibility. Responsibility for the lost. Responsibility for the ones that don't know him. Yeah, but Lord, I have this issue that you know. But he's saying, I will deal with your issue. But are you taking the responsibility? The days are quick. The power is at hand. The faith is more tangible than ever. The fruits of his spirit on earth and in our lives are going to become stronger and, and stronger. But we have to respond with this humility that takes responsibility. Humility takes responsibility. I know we all need a touch of God in this. But we want to be a church, a congregation, a people that are found humble in front of God. Yes? Is this helping anybody? Is this for anybody in this room? If it's for you, you can lift your hand and really encourage the guy that has the mic in the front. It's really cool because you guys are silent. And sometimes it happens when this is not hitting the spot. And most of the times it happens when you're really convicted and you're like saying, oh, God, I need a miracle. <laughs> I'm glad to know. So this coding that he brings builds relationship. Why? Let's read to the story. So he replied, not right now. It's not right to take. You know, he's saying, this is not the time. Have you seen? Girl, you came late. You know, I mean, like, I did all that stuff there. I'm like out of. But the everlasting source is upon something. And he was wanting to press into the situation. He said, you know, it is not right for me to take the children's bread and toss it into the dogs. And some people, the ones that know don't, don't know the context would say, wow, that was so harsh. If a preacher says that today, I'm going to get the police in a minute. You know, like, I'm going to get arrested after that. Like, toss it to the dogs. Are you calling me a dog? Wow, you know, and I'm going to be called all sorts of things, you know, because lack of context. But if we give it context, what it meant, it was the children, the children's bread. It was talking about sitting in a table with God. And the people of Israel were chosen by God. Jesus, of course, is Jewish. And he was saying, you know, this is for the people of God. Why would I give it now? But she does a parallel with it because the dog thing comes in and the real translation means a person without covenant. So humans had covenant with God. Non-humans didn't have covenant with God. If you were not Jewish, their ego informed their law. Jesus said, no, that's incoherent, boy. So he came and said, no. But she was pushing something that he had in his agenda. He wanted to break that distance between the Gentile. And why do I know this? Because she was a Canaanite. And Abraham was a Canaanite. That's what we said last week. He came from the Gentiles. So the relationship of God was not based on anything that had to do with Moses that came later. The relationship was with obedience, with humility. When Abraham, the father of faith for the Muslims, for the Judaistic, and for the Christians today, the biggest religions in the world, the only thing 
they have in common, we have in common, is Abraham, the father of faith. And he was a Canaanite. He was a Gentile. Jesus, in his lineage, has Gentiles. So what he meant was even stronger. He was saying for the ones that sit in the table, relationship. Why am I going to give to someone that has no relationship what is meant, that is meant for someone that has the relationship? We have access to healing. We have access to the table. And sometimes we see people that don't have access having the biggest miracles because we don't approach the table with humility. We have plenty of bread. We have plenty in the table. Sometimes we don't know the privilege that it is. Sometimes we even miss moments like this that we gather because we don't understand the privilege that it is to be sitting in the table with others. And this lady came without table. This lady came full of need, but full of informed faith, determined faith, flexible faith. She came focused because of her faith, carried all the way there by her humility. And sometimes I wonder if we have lost touch with that. I think this, this code breaker comes into our life. He sorts out all the codes that are driving that shouldn't be driving. All these little things that keep on producing in our lives, specific situations, needs, cravings, and decisions. He comes into us if we are humble. I need Jesus. My house needs Jesus. My kingdom needs Jesus. My city needs Jesus. My England needs Jesus. And if I come, if my people will come and humble themselves, there's moves of God all over the place and they're gonna, kept on they're gonna keep on happening. But we won't experience what is designed for us in his wisdom for the crumbs that are for us, if you will, in the story. If we don't humble ourselves. As we receive the, the worship team. I believe that as God restores in us his codes, it will create, if you please, bridges. Bridges in all these areas of our life that we need him. It will create a link. It will, it will allow us to have access. The gospel comes to give us access. It saves us and is our Lord. But how good it is if you don't know for what he saved you. If you don't know to what he gave you access. The codes come to give us access, to create a bridge, to restore a relationship with God. Day in and day out, you might think you know God, but the Bible says that when we go and see him face to face, we will know who he is, and we will know how we were known. God is wanting to restore unto us day in and day out. We could have walked with God for years. Look at the disciples. And they still wanted to shush away because it was annoying the need of others. Oh, church, congregation, we might be walking with him, but his compassion might not be in us. His power might not be driving us. We might be living out of little, little things. We might be taking it so for granted that we don't allow him to do what he really wants. We might be there, but not know we're there. Today, this comes 
might be confrontative. But he comes to comfort us. And you say, well, great job, Chris. Hey, I find comfort on him staying silent. On him waiting for me to hit the mark. If the blessing is not there, I didn't hit the mark that does good to me. He's not going to allow me to intoxicate myself in my reputation like the people of Tyre, in my witchcraft like the people of Sidon. He's not going to allow what my past, my background informed me to form me in my faith. He wants me to have a bar that is higher. He wants us to have a faith that is not human hope, but a faith that is given by God. Whoever lacks faith, ask for it. It is the Father's good pleasure to give it so. He wants me to be informed. He wants you to be informed. Because when we are informed, we're determined behind Him. I have a problem. Is that going to be informing you? Or what you know He is? His culture. His God. Remember, your faith is not about you. Like this lady, it was about the daughter. Your faith is not about you. It's not about being fat, ha happy. I was going to say in Spanish, feliz. <laughs> A bit tired. <laughs> it's not about happiness. It's not about being content in what I got. That's not going to inform my faith. What is going to inform my faith is his character and what he can do. And I can believe. And I'm determined to get all that and not less than that. I'm determined to see him lifted high. I want to see his atmosphere moving to my place. He came to the vicinities of this lady. And she was expecting that everything that happened around him in the other place would happen where she was. He had to come through that territory to teach a lady that her faith was more than sufficient. That her faith had healed her daughter, that her miracle was on the way. It was given by her own faith. It was given because she was informed and she believed in him. Some people think that they need formation. Today, I'm going to go against the world with faith. I'm going to go against all the codes that run my life, that run our town, that run every relationship that I know and I hold dear with faith not with formation. Take your formation everywhere and teach me what it produced. Someone would say that faith without works is dead. So they will be asked, show me your works. Because I will say something, church. And with this, we definitely close. Her works were works of faith. Works cannot produce faith, but faith produces inevitably works. Church, let's show the faith. Let's be that people that don't give up and don't give out, that don't sell out, that get up seven times down, eight up. We are those that can survive out of crumbs if it's necessary. But we will see that move. We will see what has been happening in Genesareth. We will see what has been happening all over the world. We will see the same Lord being silent, push us against the corner, squeeze our iniquity out of our system, create new codes, and produce fruits of the faith that he put in us he's the father of faith I don't know if this has helped you if it has helped you you can stand up if it hasn't there's more coffee and tea in the corner we don't get offended that easy that's that's another thing that the lady exhibited maybe that's another Sunday I don't know anyway now code breaker part three we're not easily offended we're not caring too highly ourselves. If the person 
that hears this has a soul and has received anything from God, I want to say this to you. Don't be so quick to be offended. Be quick to believe, to pivot. Remember what his spirit is informing you. Remember what he said to you. Remember who he is, if that's, if that's better. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know much, but what we know is that he is. And sometimes we have to remind even our own hearts, He is. Maybe you find yourself tired. Maybe your background is, is not the best and you're taking all those things in account. Maybe today finds you being a Christian, you have tried to live your week perfectly, but you still feel a little bit empty, a little bit weak. God is saying, I'm with you. Show your humility so your God can show off over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we're weak people that come to you because you are God. Father, you have blessed us, yes. But Father, if you wouldn't bless us again, we will still come to you. Father, this is not fatalic. This is not being pessimistic. It's just being real. Father, we come to you because you are God. And Father, we don't want to have that childish approach to you that demands from you. We want to have an approach that is humble and believes in you. Father, we want to have that approach of the lady that coming from the wrong can say, God, but you are right. Can I have what you have? Father, we want to be selfless. Not only, Father, for our growth, Father, but for the city, for the town, for our friends, for our family. Father, we, we need that spirit that keeps us determined, that keeps us focused, Father. We need that faith, Lord, that is flexible, Father. That, Father, when it doesn't look like we wanted it to look, when the years pass by and we don't see the changes, Lord, we still believe. We are informed. You are God. Father, we want to stay focused. Father, we need, above all things, that you will keep us, that you will keep us humble. You're the code breaker. Let our humility, Father, be a key, Father, to change not only our lives. That will be too small. It will be precious to your eyes. But you have dreamt for so much more for each one of us. Let that humility be key, Father, to touch the lives of many. Father, through every text, through every message. Father, through everything that we do, Father. Let that humility, Father, be your character poured into the situation of someone else. Father, if it will only be crumbs, we will have more than enough. Father, we sit at the table. Father, we want to make the table bigger. We want everyone to join in we want everyone to join into the belonging it's not enough to know about it we need to belong to it father in the name of jesus lord we ask father that you the one that came to break every code would do the miracle in us that you will find in us lord that humility that is conducive of our faith, Lord, in you. Father, I pray that for each one of us, Father, this week, you will, you will give us acute discernment, Lord. Father, to see our hearts 
to see our motivations, Lord. Not only our actions, Lord. Because they deceive us, Lord. Father, our hearts are so deceitful, Father. But Father, you that know all things, Lord, would you give us discernment, Father? Your insight. So we can see, so we can understand, so we can approach with boldness your throne. So we can receive that grace, that power, that presence, Lord, that we need so desperately, Lord. No one is above reproach but you, Lord. We come to you. Lead us to be disciples that gather people in. Father, we repent if we have kicked people out. Father, give us the heart that is in you, Lord, that makes the table bigger and stronger and wider. Father, that speaks wiser, that silences up the narrative, Lord. Father, give us today. Give us today, Lord. So people will know that you truly are God. That you're not religion. That you are the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? If in this place that's your prayer, every eye shut, every head bow, lift both hands and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. And as the worship team leads us in worship, say, Father, even the crumbs, even the crumbs, even the crumbs, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your healing, Lord. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you, Father, for your challenge. Father, for, for Father, that confrontational love that you have. Lead us. Strengthen us. Upgrade us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanger.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.